podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Crowd cheers. Here's Siddle. He's got Welcome back to another episode of Two Slips in the Gully. You're joined tonight by the Aarons. How are you today, Aaron? I'm good, thanks, mate. How are you going? Pretty good. Pretty excited. We've had a few things in the works that have uh, delayed this episode. We're finally here. We're finally getting it down. Fortunately, Glenn was a late withdrawal, so it's just just yeah. us two, just the two of us. So much for the rock and roll, eh? <laughs> That's it. Um, uh, speaking of things that people are probably going to regret later on, uh, you see Stuart Broad's comments today in the in the news? Um, I, I really don't know what to say about any of that. Uh, Stuart Broad, you are quite frankly a tosser <laughs> <laughs> as if he couldn't be more disliked in australia oh, no it's just absurd i mean honestly to to say oh it's a, it's a void series if he's had a one four nil would it have still been a void series i think playing a little bit of the devil's advocate seeing as the um glenn's not here to, to yes, fill that role the deacons of the devil's advocacy cut out on us uh, i think what it was it was he was addressing his own mental state heading into a series where they got walloped last time. And he's just written that off going, you know what? It was so foreign. So actually, we should explain for those that before we skip steps, Stuart Broad's come out and um, and oh, says that he doesn't, the social media, he doesn't class the 21-22 Ashes as a proper Ashes series. And his quote is, nothing was harsher than the last Ashes in my mind. I don't class that as a real Ashes. The definition of Ashes cricket is elite sport with lots of passion and players at the top of their game. Nothing about that series is higher level. Performances because of the COVID restrictions, the training facilities, the travel, not being able to socialise, I've written it off as a void series. So I think from what he's saying, he's just put that one out. It's just it's it's right-click, delete, moving on. Let's not deal with the scars of that series, just eyes forward. But what has been written, like what's come forward from that is, as most people on social media are taking it, is that, you know, Stuart Broad got trounced and he just doesn't, he, it doesn't count. No. Which is a... And <laughs> so. he, he can have as many perspectives about it as what he likes, but at the end, at the, when, at the end of the day, the fact of the matter is you, you sent a high-level team representing your country out here and you had your cojones handed to you in a paper bag. That's got nothing, you know, you can say, oh, well, it was the COVID, the restrictions, the bubbles, whatever. We knew this was going to happen three months before you arrived. Yeah. As soon as, 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 soon as they named that team, as we were pretty we, sure that, yeah. that it was going to be 4 nil because we assumed that it was going to rain in Sydney. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's something that over, well, Obviously, the Aussies are going to look at that and they're going to take plenty of that going into the series. It's going to get talked about, the upcoming Ashes. Um, I, I do think it's may potentially a little tongue-in-cheek because he knows it's going to stir it up. But I think from his perspective, it's more just a, he's written that off. It just didn't happen. Let's move on because it was so foreign to what 
you know, normal cricket you would associate with. But that being said, they played a lot of COVID condition cricket. And um, you know, England and the West Indies spearheaded the revival of cricket after the COVID lockout. So, you know, it is a bit cheap, I think, to just write off a whole series because COVID restrictions were, were in there. I mean, the Aussies are under the similar sort of restrictions. They couldn't, I mean, obviously they're feeling a little closer to home because they're at yeah. home. They lived in a bubble too. But they the were restrictions in- were the same for everybody. <laughs> the fact is that from the time that is the English named the team, it was a shambolic disaster from three months out before you even arrived. So to blame to blame the circumstances that you found yourselves under when you arrived out here is just ridiculous, really. And I don't know. I think there was like there was obviously quite a great deal of crowds there, uh, so there's plenty of passion from the supporters. I'd, I'm pretty sure the Aussies were particularly passionate about um, their playing. I mean, look at Usman Khawaja with his twin hundreds at Sydney. He was very, very happy. Travis Head was very passionate about entrenching himself, so there was passion on our side. Um, If you guys can't get yourselves up for an Ashes Ashes series because, you know, your hotels aren't to your liking, that says a little bit more about you, Stuart, than it does about the series as a whole. But anyway, we won't get stuck into that because we'll have plenty more Ashes to talk about later on in the year. But this one, we're going to have a bit of a chat about the Irish. Yes, hasn't it been an an interesting uh, few weeks for the Irish um, men's test cricket team? Yeah, test being the key word in that. So they've managed to play, they're in their third test in about three or four weeks, which is awesome to see because... uh, um, you know, we've talked about it all the time. We'd love to see the the asso- well, they're not associates, they're full men, but the ones that are outside the World Test Championship. Um, yeah. you know, Ireland, Zimbabwe. You know, typically I'd say Afghanistan, but there's a reason why I don't want them playing any more Tests. Yeah. Uh, but it's good to see them playing more Test cricket. So they've played a, a one-off Test against Bangladesh and a two Test series against Sri Lanka. So you couldn't ask for <laughs> a much harder re-entry into. Test cricket than that, playing oh. in the least Irish conditions I can possibly imagine. I know, it's extraordinary, isn't it, when you think that these guys probably have never seen a wicket break up or be dusty on the first day of, of a game. Mm. Um, and I, to be fair, I think whoever come up with this idea, there's two ways you can look at it. Throw, throw them in at the deep end and see what happens. Or, you know, try and farm their way into that. Maybe do a, a tour somewhere where the conditions are similar, but with not so much yeah. emphasis on, you know, play some first-class cricket or something like that because I'm willing to bet that none of these guys have ever played on on wickets like they've seen over in uh, um, Bangladesh just, and Sri Lanka. I'm just happy they're playing. So we'll have a chat about that. And the the big part of the episode we're going to have a talk about is the, Af- uh, sorry, not the, Af- the Pakistan all-time one-day international side. We're going oh, to yes. go through and do that. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. I usually like to do it with three so we can vote on any discrepancies. So we'll have to work out uh, how we're going to do that if we can't uh, come to a consensus. But I'm sure it's going to be an interesting one. They're an incredibly talented side. Oh, look, they um, it's yeah. actually interesting. We won't get into it too much now, but when you look at their um, their lists, it just goes to show the talent they have going around at the moment. That four of the top five um, players in in some of the lists are current players. You've got Barbara Zahm, Fakir Zaman, 
I think is how you pronounce his name. And there's a couple of others in there as well. Um, I think they're going to be, it's going oh, to be an interesting chat. You go back some of the greats of the yesteryear as well. There is stacks and stacks of ODI talent in that Pakistan team. So it's going to be, it's going to be quite a good side. But all of that cricket goodness is going to come up right after this. Unfortunately, the luck of the Irish doesn't seem to travel to Southeast Asia. No, from the looks of things. No, it's been um, it's been a, a baptism of fire for them. I think it really has. Uh, I've been impressed with their adaptability when it comes to their their batting at points. Um, there are some some players there that obviously be fairly close to the first time that they've seen. Some of these oh, conditions. I'd, I'd be prepared to bet a substantial amount of money on, on that, actually. Uh, and they've they've rebounded well. Like, they've had some really tough games and they've been bundled out for a few low scores. But they're, they're batting, they seem to sort of... They'll, they'll take away from that and they'll come back and they'll regroup. Uh, unfortunately, the bowling, I think, is what's going to let them down. Just like, like I said in the intro, this couldn't be anything less Irish than travelling to back the Bangladesh and Sri Lanka. No, and they don't have they don't have the guys with genuine yeah. air speed, and they their spinners are probably more your typical sort of county cricket English yeah. tweakers more very, than anything very else. Very much so, and I, I just think that and their best bowler in Josh Little is playing in the IPL at the moment, yeah. so he's not even. Um, he's been actually very impressive over there. Just a little bit, little bit of a segue there. Um, that's going to lead. It's going to lead to some issues for them over the long term, unless they can start developing some guys with some genuine. You know, you, you, their fastest bowler is probably bowling at one hundred and twenty-five, one hundred and thirty k's. It just doesn't cut it at Test level. You need. It's got to be one hundred and thirty plus with some. Some oh, yeah. outside outside of that skills, the ability to swing the ball, seam the ball. Yeah, um, on flat in, wickets on like that, if you're bowling 125, you yeah. you need that to be a tennis court. Yeah, basically, yeah. Uh, at you know, Ollie Robinson's proven, and James Anderson's proven, even Philander have proven that you know you, you, it's workable at those sort of speeds. But yeah. you need a lot going your way, and yeah, and you have to have you've got to have a very very good skill set, and. Unfortunately for their bowlers, and this is not a criticism of them at all, um, they probably just have never been exposed to these conditions for any length of time to learn how to adapt to these conditions. Um, but having said that, I mean, I think the best you can say for them is that they don't give up. Oh, they, no. They have, they have a red-hot crack, and even though they've, um, they've had a couple of fairly average results so far on this tour. It's just good to see them playing. And and I think it's wonderful to see them playing. The fact that they've played three tests in such a short period of time, this is the sort of thing that we need to be doing to encourage these smaller countries and these newer countries to continue playing test cricket. You, they, you give them some games. Get them playing. And let's not pretend that this isn't good for Bangladesh and Sri Lanka as oh. well. I mean, these guys are getting more Red Bull experience under yeah. their belts. They're part of the, the World Test Championship, so they 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 typically play the least amount uh, of Test Red yeah. Bull cricket. So they're getting... Admittedly, it doesn't work anything towards the World Test Championship standings as Ireland isn't a part of, of that, but no. they're, they're getting to play more cricket. They're getting yeah, their players in playing more Red Bull and getting used to those sort of conditions. Absolutely. Uh, so from the first test against uh, against Bangladesh, Bangladesh ended up winning that test by, by seven wickets. Um, you know... 
Ireland was in centre to bat first and got knocked over for, for 214. But I thought there were some promising signs. Harry Tector is going to be one hell of a player. Um, you know, he's already proven that he is a world-class one-day international player. He scored those back-to-back ODI hundreds. So when um, uh, Ireland beat South Africa, so it wasn't against a mug nation. This is a good nation. Um so he played very well. Uh, Curtis Camphor has proven that he's a, a genuine, you know, international quality all rounder. Yeah. He's not necessarily the, 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 you know, the peak of the summit, but he belongs no. at international level. He got a, you know, a pretty impressive thirty four. Um, then moving on to the Bangladesh's innings, it was a, a really classy middle order partnership for Mushfiqur Rahim and and Shakib Al Hassan, both getting rapid scores. Rahim bringing up one hundred twenty six. Um, Alisson put uh, put on eighty seven, yeah. but things were sort of half in the balance. I reckon at that point they picked up a wicket on the last ball of the day. They had um, Bangladesh three for forty, and if they managed to grab a you know Raheem or Alisson early on, and the next day, the next yeah. day could have been on. But as it was, the the Bangladeshis just settled in. The 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 pitch sort of flattened out. The they got hold of the spinners. I mean, Raheem got 126, Alisson got 87, Litton Das got a better than a runner ball 43, and Mahedi Hassan got a, a 55, um, and Bangladesh ended up putting on 360. And uh, then Ireland came out and, and and fought again. Harry Tector brought up another 50. Mm-hmm. Um, sort of the only one out of the top order that really did a great deal, but then there was a, a big partnership between Lorcan Tucker, who brought up his maiden Test 100 was he's a very, a, very impressive player. Yeah, he's an excellent player. I mean, we've already had a taste of of him in the, the T20 World Cup when he was out here, and he had, he basically put Australia out. Yeah. His innings in, in that um, Ireland game just put us put us to bed, put yeah. us out of our, we, out of our misery. We and, couldn't get enough of a run rate because no. he ended up playing well. And uh, Andy McBrien, the uh, the off-spin all-rounder, he contributed with a 70-odd. Yeah. Um, they, they gave Bangladesh something to chase. wasn't a great deal, but it was no. something. Uh, ended up getting 140 runs on. They needed only three wickets down. Yeah. But, uh, you know, not having played cricket for a while, or test no. cricket for a I while, coming the, out and doing that. They, it's a pretty good effort in, in foreign conditions. I mean, there have been some far more fancied teams do worse over there. I mean, oh, we've lost to Bangladesh well, over we there. We certainly have. And, I mean, the, the thing is, too, uh, uh, what they will learn is that first innings runs a, a king over, oh, right, in the yeah. subcontinent. And whenever you've, you've only made 200-odd in the first innings, you're always going to be behind the eight ball. And particularly, like you said, they had them free for 40, but then two very, very classy, experienced test players stepped up and made and made a big partnership, and that was basically the, the end of the ball game from an Ireland winning perspective. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, Lorcan Tucker, isn't he quite – he's just a – He's a delight to watch, actually. Isn't I'm he? really annoyed, actually, the Sri Lankan series hasn't been broadcast anywhere that I can find because they, they were. They were really good to watch. Harry yeah. Tector was good to watch. Um, Lork and Tucker looks very classy. Like yeah. He looks like he could be – both of those guys would, you know, if you take them out of Ireland and put them on any other international team, yeah. they'd be pushing for spots sort of thing. Oh, so. for sure. Um, and he's a very good keeper as well, Tucker, so – um, he would have felt that would have been a bit of a learning curve for him because he would never have kept the spinners as much in his life as especially what he would not have. in those sort of conditions. I mean, um, I'm sure their spinners were bowling multiple multiple overs, so um, a learning experience for him. And you know, obviously, I would suggest down the line he's probably going to be captain of Ireland at some stage. 
Yeah, I could imagine that being yeah. the case. Very much so. Him or him or Harry Tector. I think they might end up getting in each other's way because they're sort of about the same sort of age. Yeah, they could true. end up being, um, you know, captain vice captain sort of arrangement. Uh, they went over to uh, Sri Lanka after that, and um, while they, you know, they handled themselves as well as could be expected. The, the, these games haven't been particularly close. They got absolutely trounced in the first game. Six for five ninety-one declared Sri Lanka. Dimuth Kuranatne scored one hundred and seventy-nine. Kusal Mendes one hundred and forty. Dinesh Chandamal one hundred and two. Um, and Sadira Samawik Rama ended up with a hundred off one hundred and fourteen balls. Really, just put the the poor Irish to the sword. Mark Adair was there. Most economical bowler going at just a touch under four. Um, but, yeah, really went through it. And the Irish, unfortunately, then folded twice in two innings. Yeah. Um, but, again, there's some interest. Like, uh, so 168, Harry Tector got another start, 30-odd. Lorcan Tucker got another 45. Um, so like, Nothing really to, to, to write home about. And they seem to struggle to build partnerships at, that, at the top of the order. Yeah, they're... they're, they're the top order is getting cracked open quite easily. Yeah. Um, uh, Prabhat Jayasuriya, who is burst onto the scene, would he debuted against us in yeah. that series over there? And he's he took a seven for fifty two, and that really he's, just carved he's got him up. nearly fifty wickets already in in like what six months. Yeah, well, he took ten for in that game. Yeah. Uh, second innings when they got forced to follow on. Harry Tech to run out for forty two. Um, uh, Curtis Camp at 30-odd, George Dockerall 32. So, again, not a lot to write home with the bat. Um, Dry Surya took his three to get 10. But, um, you know, tricky conditions there. And there, are, you can see that there are some name, consistent names that are, yeah. are rearing their heads that are that are coming up and, um, and doing the job mm-hmm. again. Um, things looked a little better for Ireland in the second test in terms of yeah, they're batting rebounded. I'm not sure what the wickets are like, but I would imagine they're fairly flat because um, the uh, like the Sri Lankans have just been going at a mile a minute. But again, the same sort of problems. The, the openers didn't really get in. McCollum got 10. Peter Moore elevated. He's a former Zimbabwean player, yeah. elevated to come up to the opening at five. But then... Then some runs started to come. Andrew Balburnie, 95. Um, Paul Sterling, who's been a, a mainstay of their one-day side for a long time, has come in in the uh, come in at five. He scored 100. Lorcan Tucker's chipped in again with an 80 and a pretty rapid 80, 80 off 106. Yeah. Uh, Curtis Camper batting at seven, got his maiden test 100. Mm-hmm. Um, and Andy McBride, 35. Got themselves to all out for 492, which is a respectable start. Well, that that puts you in the game on, in the subcontinent, doesn't? It? And they scored at a reasonable rate too. Like none of those big scores there were, you know, a, a strike rate of less than fifty. One hundred and forty-five overs they took them to score. Yeah. Um, Just on five hundred runs. Five hundred so runs. That's, that's pretty good going. Man. That sets the game up. Unfortunately, not quite enough. I think uh, Sri Lanka have played this into either a, a, an innings defeat or. It's going to be a draw. Because they've come out and of their top four batsmen, two of them scored hundreds and the other two scored double hundreds. Uh, Madushka scored 205. Kuranatne rattled off another 100. Kusal Mendes at a strike rate of 85 scored 245. Angelo Matthews, the the ageless one, rattled off another 100, not out. Um, 700. They ended up with well, is it seven hundred? I think yeah, seven hundred and three, seven hundred and four for free declared. Um, huh. Lead of two hundred odd runs with 
a day in uh, half. And day unfortunately, in a Ireland of have already lost a wicket in that as well. So McCollum out for ten. So yeah. Balburnie and Peter Moore in. So it's going to be the test now for Ireland. Is you know this is the step they've got to make as a as a team is salvage the most out of a game at a particular situation. And now this one means no, they can't win. It's yeah. done. They just don't have the bowling firepower to take to score enough runs. Like they're two hundred in the hole. They've got to score. Yeah, you know, you'd imagine 500 to have enough runs. There's not enough time. So they're now going to realise what do we need to do to get out of this with the best possible result, and that is a draw. staving off for a draw. So it'll test and their defence. A draw would be a big result for them too, considering what's happened in the previous couple of tests that they've played, to come back against a team who hand, like, handed them a hiding in the last like the last. Sri Lanka match. were not far away from qualifying for the World Test Championship final. These are a pedigree team in yeah. their home conditions. Yes. So I think if they were able to like bat out the whole day tomorrow and, and get away with a draw, or at the very least take it very deep, you don't want to see them getting rolled in a, a session and a half. Yeah. You want them and you want somebody to, to stand up and and go on and make a reasonable score. Yeah, or a couple of someone's probably. So guys yeah. like Tector and, and Tucker and our Balburnie, the captain, to stand up and yeah. they can get through and just, you know, how do we you know, you know, do the whole thing, batting in tens, batting in partnerships, yeah. getting through session by session, hour by hour sort of thing, get to the end. You know, at the end of the day, it still says that they've they've come away from that series with a loss. But, yeah. you know, I think a draw in those conditions, coming out of that against a, a well-credentialed team, yeah. That's um that's a big that's big for Ireland, yeah. And um yeah, I'm really hoping that they we want to see the, we want to see them playing more cricket. Okay, the the Northern Hemisphere summer is about to start. While there's an Ashes series on, surely Ireland could be playing somebody over in Ireland at the same time. Yeah, like I I maintain that we should be playing a test, potentially two, but we'll never fit it in. Right. But at least a test against Ireland at the beginning of an Ashes tour, or at the end of an Ashes tour. Yeah, like they're already I, over there. I think it's, I think it's a great idea. I mean, and it's literally like a ferry ride away. Uh, uh, you know, it's an hour plane ride. This is where we we and I talk about the collective we in the big four of Test cricket: India, England, Australia, um, Pakistan. Okay, we need to be playing more cricket and bringing people to play cricket in our And it's conditions. the responsibility of those boards to find room in the calendar. Yeah. Now you've and already to got... find the money too. To find the money. Well, that's the ICC. The ICC is in charge of that. It's all the revenue sharing. The ICC needs to make it you know, economically feasible. But, you know, it's the perfect opportunity. You've come over to England. Your team's already there. You're either getting ready for an Ashes. So, oh, it's not going to make as much sense at the moment because we've got the World Test Championship final. I'm not sure the lead time between that, but certainly at the end of the series, you know, there should be an opportunity to go and play at least a one-off test. Exactly, and um, I mean, you could and you could certainly do it. So, I mean, you're going to have the nucleus of your squad, um, a few guys there who haven't had a game. Give them a game against Ireland. Yeah, and it's not in the sense of handing out free baggy greens. They're, they've already a lot of the got guys, a baggy green. A lot of the guys in that squad already have a baggy green, you know. So, and, um, and it, it's being a good cricketing neighbour to do so. And yeah, at some point, you know, what takes precedence if we're okay? We don't want our big, big guns playing a game against Ireland because we don't see the point after a rigorous five-test Ashes series. So you know, maybe Cummins and 
and Stark get a get a holiday, and we you bring up a, a Lance Morris and a Jai right. Richardson, yeah, or pick a couple of the guys who are over there playing county, or a Michael Nisa or a Jai yeah. Rich. Those two, two already have baggy greens. They're obviously yeah. credentialed enough to be able to play for Australia. It's not cheap no. to let them to you know teams are doing you know it's just. It makes too much sense. I would also love, I don't necessarily need to be a test series, but I would love for some way for every other year that we do like a St. Patrick's Day game, we bring Ireland out for a you know a one-day series or a T20 series or it, ideally a test match is what I want that starts on St. Patrick's Day. I think that would be great. Because yeah, Australians really, really get on board with St. Paddy's Day, and it'd be right, it'd be right at the end of our summer too. So I mean, March the seventeenth. It's um, yeah. So it'd still be used. We're we're playing cricket in March. Yeah, true. So it's not like you can't have pitches ready to go. I'm pretty sure Sheffield Shield was still cracking along in not. You know, in Mar- I've seen games in April where we've been playing Sheffield Shield. Yeah, so true. it's not like we can't have the conditions to make cricket work. Mm-hmm. You know, they're obviously not doing anything. It's you know they're ramp getting ready to ramp up for theirs. So it could yeah. be a good sort of early season warm up thing. But I just yeah, I'd love to see ways that you can get these teams more involved. And it's yeah. great to see that um, Sri Lanka and Bangladesh have come to the party. And I'm hoping that will continue to be the case. And maybe. Yeah. You know, some other nations will be just as forthcoming and we can see, you know, these guys in action more and Zimbabwe well, I, I, in action I, Ideally, more. over, over a, 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 say, a four-year cycle, you would like to have these guys playing tests in all the continents, essentially, if you could manage it. Yeah, Even I if it's a one-off test or yeah. or whatever it happens in to be. In four years, there's absolutely no reason why they can't schedule at least one first-class or test fixture against, you know, Every like every nation, like yeah. it's four years, five days, <laughs> you five days out of your time, you can make it work. Like yeah. they could even be at a neutral venue, but yeah. That, but yeah, um, cool. So that's that done. It's uh, hopefully we'll be keeping our eyes peeled. Unfortunately, as there isn't a stream that I can find, and no. I have trust me, I have tried. So um. Uh, to watch this, but hopefully there is a valiant Irish vanguard, and we can yeah we can see the Irish come away with their heads held high with a with a gutsy draw and yeah. build on to bigger and better things, and then hopefully some more more tests in the future. Like I said, it's they're coming into their summer now, so it'd be good to see I don't know like a South Africa or someone like that who's not really playing any cricket yeah. at the moment, a to, West Indies or a West Indies get over there and, and play a few games. Yeah. Right after after this, we're going to get into the big thing, which is of course the Pakistan all-time one-day 11. Well, he's done it, and he's done it in grand style with a boundary. Well done, Glenn McGrath. First ever half-century in Test cricket. Here we are, the big segment for this episode, the one-day international all-time 11 for Pakistan. A bit of a green theme we've got going on for this one. Yeah, the the green of the Pakistanis, the green of the Irish. It's uh, it's good. It's going green, going green. So um, for those of you that haven't been uh, following along for too long, it might be your first time listening to Two Slips in the Gully, welcome to the podcast. Uh, Last year, we did a a round trip through all the nations, and we did our uh, best test match 11s of by country of all time uh we typically had three we went through we didn't come with a with an 11 and argued it we came we went through player by player and um you know we raised options you know opening the batting bat at three yada 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 we went through the pros and cons and then uh we took a vote between the usually the three hosts 
about who was going to play in that role. And so we did have some uh, guest hosts in with us a couple of times as well. Yeah. Uh, so thank you, Townie, and thank you, uh, Daisy. And Mark, and uh, don't forget Craig as well. Oh, did I say thank you, Townie? True. Um, and then uh, so we've gone um, – now we're going to do the one-day sides. And so one-day sides have been a bit tricky because there's been a, a seismic shift in um, how one-day cricket has been played since it was first conceived and then what it is now. There's a massive, massive difference. So we've, um, you know, if you're going to go purely off statistics and looking at it, runs, average, strike rate, things like that, there's going to be very few all like old-time players going in there. So what we've tried to do is try and balance um how these players were in the, against their peers compared to their overall records compared to the you know the, the overall records of today so um you know trying to strike a balance obviously that you know statistics are very important but uh, it's also the way that you uh, you are perceived in your time yeah. in the conditions that you were forced to play and, in and one and one great tiebreaker that we've used a couple of times is the actual ICC rankings of these players. Yeah, so where these players um, where those sat. players sat in the pantheon of their of their peers at at their particular point in time, and at at the end of the day, the ICC rankings are based purely on performances and statistics. Um, yeah, I think it's a really good way to tie-break yeah. things. There's obviously going to be no perfect method. We're not going to appease everybody, but that's how we've been doing it. So we're going to get stuck straight into it and go and deal with the Pakistan team now. And um, I'll throw to Aaron. We'll go for the Pakistan openers. Have you got any particular oh, players look, in mind that you'd want? There is, there is one guy who I consider is an absolute lock for this team. Well, there's actually a couple of them, but the first one, it's off the top of the bat, Syed Anwar. One of the best one-day openers in history. Just an absolute machine of a batsman. Um, devastating. And just to put it in perspective, the guy strikes, he finished his career 20 years ago, his strike rate was 80. Yeah. 80. 20 years ago. And scored 20. And scored 20. One-day international, one international hundreds. And was just a – he was the sort of guy, if it was his day, just don't bother – don't bother turning up because you're just going to belt you to everywhere. Yeah. And succeeded all over the world, um, formed a wonderful partnership with, um, oh, oh, I forget his name, Amos Sohail, the two lefties. They were a dynamic opening partnership. But, um, yeah, um, Syed Anwar. Yeah, just shy of 9,000 runs, average of just under 40, strike rate of 80. Uh, 20 hundreds, 43 50s. Yeah. I don't have any disagreements with Syed Anwar either. I had him in my team. So, yeah. cool. We'll move straight on from that. Yeah. Um, you got another opener for the other spot that you want to um, throw out there? Yeah, well, I am actually – it's an interesting one with one day – with the one-day teams, because quite often you will have guys who are normally middle-order batsmen batting higher up the order in one-day cricket. Um, so, yeah, look, you, probably if you're going to be – there's a whole range of guys who could who could fit the bill. Um, I would have no problem with somebody like a, a show of Malik open in the batting. Um more than likely, though, I'd probably lean towards a guy like a. I was thinking of uh, Sahail just to keep the partnership together, but I, I, he's 
he does bring a lot to the team, Amos Ahale, because he also got 100-odd one-day international wickets. So, um, yeah, look, I'm probably leaning towards somebody like a, a Muhammad Yusuf or possibly a show of Malik to open the batting, or maybe even a Yunus Khan. Well, I've got... This is going to be interesting. This might be our toughest one yet, because I've, I've narrowed mine down to, to two options. I've sort of stuck to more guys that have traditionally opened the batting for mm-hmm. for Pakistan as opposed yeah. to, to putting in someone. Um, so one of them I had was uh, Muhammad Afis. Yeah. 2003-2019. Yeah. Six and a half thousand runs. And a stack of wickets as well. Stack of wickets. So he plays a spinning all-rounder. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure what has he got? It's... Um, hundred odd wickets. Yeah, it's, it's more a, than hundred. More than hundred thirty-nine wickets, wickets yeah. at thirty-eight. Um, economy of four, providing um, you know, a bit of extra spin that's, options. That's there. pretty handy, isn't it? You're open. You're open and batsman giving you these overs. One hundred thirty-eight wickets at, at a, you know, going for four and over. That's um, pretty good, man. Eleven hundreds. 50s Um, striking at seventy-five. I thought that was one option, but the option that. Uh, if push came to shove, that I would probably lean towards would be Zahir Abbas. Um, Seventy-four to eighty-five. So playing in an era where um, you know run, you know, you, we talk about it all the time. We talk about one-day cricket. You know, yeah. you put two twenty-five on the board in a one-day or in that era, you sort of almost you know the other team packs up and goes home because yeah. they're not chasing that down. Yeah. So run scoring was was a lot less. So he played sixty matches, twenty-five hundred runs at forty-seven. Mm-hmm. Um, but struck it at 84, playing in the 70s and 80s. Yeah, now, Zahir Rabas was a, was a wonderful player. I mean, we probably, he was a little bit, his best was a little bit before my memories. My memories of him was playing, um, coming out here a couple of times, and I, he made a brilliant 100 out here one time. And he played, um, I think he played some World Series cricket for the World Eleven as well. Um his record says it, and like he was ranked very, very highly in the ICC rankings as well. So, um, if we're going, if we're, gonna, if we're just going to go along the lines of we're going to pick an opener to to be an opener, then yeah, I think I would have no problems with Zahir opening with um, Syed Anwar. Um, I just think he scored. Um his best overall ranking, that's his test ranking, his best overall test ranking was third. So he was at one point the third best batsman in the world. Um, But his best ranking for ODIs, he was the best batsman in the world at one point. Um, So, yeah. And and I remember him making one-day international hundreds when one-day international hundreds weren't Something that happened very often. Yeah, we got seven of them yeah. in an era. Like when I said, when you, you know you, you're rattling around two thirty, two forty, two fifty as as good scores, yeah. um, and yeah, he's got seven one day international hundreds in that in that time, um, mm-hmm. and he got he, so I'd be leaning that way. Um, yeah, would I, be would be mine. Um, yeah, look, I, I can't I can't put up a, a a good argument why not. As I said, I'm, I'm looking at the at a from a point of view that one-day international openers don't necessarily aren't necessarily always openers, if you know what I mean. Yeah, it's not it's not a new phenomenon. Um, I'm sure I've seen Javed open. I've seen a couple of other guys. I've seen Muhammad Yusuf open. I've seen Shoaib Malik open. Yunus Khan's opened. Um, so they would have no problem with filling that role. 
But if we're going to go strictly along the lines of uh, uh, another opener, then Zaha here is is the standout from from the remaining candidates. Cool. So you're happy to go. Yeah, I'm, Zahi, I'm happy Abbas. to go Zahi, Zahi, yeah. All right, openers now. Anwar and Abbas, done. All right, now we move into number three. Yeah. Um, I've got two options that I really wanted to go with, one of them being um, the a guy who's currently playing, um, Baba Azam. Nearly played 100 matches. Uh, oh, no, it's just a ridiculous record, isn't it? 4,800 runs, averaging 59, a strike right. rate of 89. Yeah. Um, 1,700s. 1,700s in 4,000 runs, man. In less than 5,000 runs, he's made 1,700s. That's enormous. And going at 90 is is pretty impressive as well. Um, And, you know, he's gotten a bit of criticism over the last couple of months or, you know, 18 months or so for maybe not being quite attacking enough. But, you know, he's going at 90. He's going at 90. Um, Yeah, look. Um, my the only other person who I would be looking in that would be Eunice Khan. I'll probably be looking maybe at Eunice Khan. Uh, at I don't three. know. Eunice Khan's one like his test averages are phenomenal, but his one day record is not particularly flattering. He only averages thirty one, um, seven hundred and forty eight fifties. The other guy that I was thinking of for the, the position would have been uh, Muhammad Yusuf. Nearly ten thousand one day runs at forty two, striking at seventy five. Yeah. 1,500, 60, 250s, and like as we know, is one of the the premier bats, premier bats that the Pakistan have ever have ever had. Um, you know, he's still holds the record for um, the, the most, most runs, runs in a test, test calendar year. Yeah. Um, I um, I really this is where because you can just keep throwing up these names, isn't it? Um, you know, and again, somebody like Shoah Malik as well would be wouldn't be out of place batting at number three. Um, you know, averages thirty five. What's he got? Was it only the nine hundred spots? See, so yeah, maybe. Um, Muhammad Muhammad Yusuf. Muhammad Yusuf for me is he has to be in the team somewhere. So I think number three, yeah, I would have no problem with that. And he's just a class player. He's just a wonderful batsman to watch as well. Um, I think while well, there's plenty more batting positions to come, yeah. but I think that, uh, yeah, Azam being just probably a little too new, 100 game, like Yusuf's played triple or more the games that he's played yet. Yeah. So I think that Azam will it certainly be, he may end up being there later on the batting lineup, but if he doesn't, he'll certainly be one of the great Pakistan players when it's all said and done. But yeah, um, yeah I, I I think yeah, just at at this point in time, I'd probably be yeah, I'd lean towards Muhammad Yusuf in the in the all time eleven. Mm. Uh, so moving to four, I've got uh, Javed Me and Dad. Yeah, uh, a guy again played through the seventies and eighties into yeah. the nineties. Um, was talismanic. Yeah, for. Pakistan cricket, the guy was yeah. just phenomenal. Um, and was know, mate, and and again started in seventy five, finished in ninety six. Was making one day hundreds when one day hundreds weren't a thing that a lot of people were doing. Um, he got eight of them and fifth and fifty fifties as well. So um, I think he, he's one of those locks. 
he's in my team. Yeah, I just think he's that good a batsman. Yeah. You know, even if the numbers don't necessarily line up, he's just he's a guy yeah. that's going to be. There. He's got forty-one not outs as well, so he's yeah. a guy that sort of it, you know it, he would have batting at four, so yeah. he would have been finishing off a lot of innings as well yeah. and getting them home. Yeah. Uh, I don't think we need to wax lyrical too much about Jarvan Meehan. Daddy, he's a phenomenal stroke player. You know, you've seen his Test record. We've seen you know when they show old school games well for yeah. me it's I've got to watch highlights yeah. um, uh, and he's just the shots that he's playing against the attacks that he's facing like yeah. the guy is classy yeah. so uh, Jarvid at four and uh, at five I'm going to go with a guy that missed out on our test 11 for Pakistan oh it's got to be Inzi and Inzi's coming in all time yeah. leading one day international yeah. run score 11,000 runs just under 40 going at 75 10, 10 hundreds and 83 50s yeah um, and 52 not outs. This is a guy batting again in the middle order, yeah. um, getting his team home, putting the, the polish on an innings. Yeah. Um, um, the one criticism they had of him at the time was he wasn't a great converter of 50s into 100s, but how many of those 50s won his team the game? Yeah. You know, like 93 scores of over 50 in 375 games. That's one in less than every four. That's like... That's that's world class, man. Yeah, and He's, you don't you don't you've, this, it takes a special caliber of player to score over ten thousand one day international yeah. runs. You've got to be playing a lot of cricket to get. Yeah. Doesn't matter how good you are to get ten thousand runs. You're playing a lot of cricket, and if you're yeah. playing a lot of cricket, then you are good. Yeah. So um, he's been a mainstay. Three hundred and seventy-five one day international games. Three hundred and forty-eight yeah. innings. Yeah. Inzamar Mohawk for mine is yeah. is in the side. Mm-hmm. Uh, moving to six, I'm picking an all-rounder here, and I'm going with um, possibly the finest cricket that Pakistan's ever made. I'm going with uh, Imran Khan. Yeah, I like Imran at six. I actually don't mind him at five in a one-day scenario, but yeah, at six, what he brings to the what he brings to the party is just unparalleled. Um, so. Averaging 33, a strike rate of 72, 119.50s, you know, playing through the 70s and 80s, playing a lot against that West Indian side. Um, You know, and what he brought as a leader, obviously he's going to captain the side from, in my perspective, I'm assuming you're on the... Yeah, it'd be be between him and Jarvid, but I'd probably lean towards um, Imran. Um, and then when you look at him runs bowling stats, 182 wickets at 26, uh, going at under four and over. Like, yeah. and he's just a guy. He's a match winner. He's just got a. We talked about it with um with Ian Botham for yeah. when we did the England one. That he's just got that. Even if his numbers, maybe there are players with similar sort of records. In some, um, sorry, Imran's sort of got this ability that you just feel that like when the game's on the line, yeah. he's going to get the, he's the job the man done. You he's going to. He's going to bowl that death over and yeah. you know, get those wickets where he's going to hit the you know he's going to finishing be, runs. Yeah, he's um he was a phenomenal player. I out of the four great all rounders of that era, I personally think he was the best. Um, just for the fact that he had the the complete skill set of both batting and bowling. There is a genuine argument that Imran Khan, in terms of Test all rounders, everyone says it's you know Sobers is one locked yeah. in. And everyone always goes, no, oh, number two's got to be Callis. It has no, to be no, Callis. No, it doesn't have to be Callis. And Callis is absolutely phenomenal. Don't get me wrong, but Imran has got a very legitimate argument because as good as Im- as, as Jacques was with the bat, Imran was with the ball. Yeah. Um, you know, averaged 50 and 19 as captain of his country. You know, yeah. Imran is, is an absolute freak of nature in, uh, yeah. in terms of cricket. So, yeah, coming at six, yeah. captaining the side. Mm-hmm. 
Um, which I would say then if we got that far down, that yes, Barbara's arm has probably missed out on yeah, this. Yeah, unfortunately, look, Barbara's arm's time will come. Like, if we're revisiting this in five years, I'm sure we're probably going to be looking for a, space, a spot for Barbara. Um, somewhere in that middle order because he keeps going along those lines. He's going to make 10,000 runs in about 200 games. Yeah. And that that is just nuts. That is absolute insanity. Uh, all right. So for number seven, I'm going another all-rounder. Okay. Actually, no, I'm not. Sorry. I lied. I had it originally and then I changed my mind. I'm going the wicketkeeper. Yeah. Um, I'm going uh, Safra's Ahmed. Um, I'm going Moen Khan. Yep, yep. I had a look at those. Record-wise, they're, they're they're similar. Yeah. Um, hang on, I had it in front of me because I was I was ready for this argument because I figured that Khan was the the obvious choice. So Moen Khan, uh, three and a half thousand runs, uh, seventy-two high score, average twenty-three, twelve fifties uh, striking at eighty. So a really good finisher. Played yeah. fourteen years, two hundred games. Yeah. Um and Safraz Ahmed, uh, twenty three hundred runs, average thirty three, strike that eighty seven, two hundreds and eleven fifties. What I liked about Safraz for mine that gave him that edge. He was a phenomenal captain, and under his leader, you could really tell he brought a lot of passion to the side as a leader. Um, especially when he was captaining in a in a period where Pakistan weren't able to play at home. Uh, you could really see the team sort of grew a leg playing for him, and he was always seen to be the right man for the situation. And I believe he led uh, Pakistan to number one in the world in both T20 and one-day international cricket under yeah. his leadership. So that was for mine why I went. Um, and, and he's a very fine gloveman as well, and with uh, the ability to find the boundary, close innings out, batting at seven. Um, yeah. That was one of the, the reasons I went here. But, you know, Moeen Khan, again, is... He's played a lot of cricket for um, for Pakistan, you know, 14 years through the 90s, um, quite a respectable record in that similar sort of role, finishing the innings, blasting 50s. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. That was... I just always found him a, a very, very frustrating guy to watch when we were playing against him because he always seemed to do quite well against Australia. And he did, did quite well against Australia out here in Australia a couple of times too. So, um, from... I think in a few years' time we'll be talking about it as a certain Muhammad Rizwan as the keeper, but just at the moment his record doesn't stack up. Um, yeah, look, I, I'm I, it swings and roundabouts, isn't it? They're both very similar sort of players. Um, Safraz is a very, very good leader, but does he need to be a really good leader in a team with Javed and Imran in it? Oh, I, just, I suppose there is that argument: is is it too many chiefs and not enough Indians? But um, yeah. and I goes, you're looking at the 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 stats. I suppose you could say that uh, Safraz was a product of his time, as was Moeen. Yeah. Safraz has got a far more impressive strike rate, and obviously has converted some of his starts into hundreds. Yeah. In um, you know, I think he's played they're similar-ish sort of games, 175 versus 117. So, yeah, so obviously playing through the 90s, there was you know less impetus to go at you know the sort of run rates that we're familiar with. So um, striking at 80 in the lower order would probably be more than sufficient. So it, it is a tough one. Um, I don't know. This is going to be the first one that we've run into an issue with what we're going to, we're going to decide this. I think. Yeah. Well, I um. Oh, I'm happy to tip my hat towards Safraz as well, but I, I do think Mullen's got a very good claim. I think he's got an excellent claim to be in this team. 
And another guy who we haven't spoke about, who was a very good keeper batsman for Pakistan as well, was Rashid Latif. Um, he had a bit of a reign there at one stage where he was a, a very, very good player. Um, probably not quite up to the class of these two, but a, a, a fairly respectable record. Um, so, yeah, I don't think he... I think he misses out. Obviously, being a late-order guy, no. 90s through 2003, and I think they would took games off each other, Latif and Moeen Khan, yeah. but he only ended up with an average of 19, okay, 350s, yeah. uh, a respectable strike rate for the period, but yeah, um, yeah probably not quite in the class of, no, of those well, guys. We kind of, well, that, that would eliminate him straight away. I didn't realise that he wasn't even averaging 20. I mean, in this team, you want to be averaging at least. Yeah, so um, I'm, I'm happy to, to flip to flip over towards Safras. Cool. I think too, because, well, I'm assuming we're going to both go the same player at eight. And when you've got a guy who has got hundreds in his kit bag, he can bat around players like that, you know, Imran, and I'm assuming the guy that we're both going to go for will be Shahid Afridi. No. Oh, wow. No. Boom Boom is not, mate. No. You haven't got, you haven't got him in your team at all. No. What? Wow. All right. We are in trouble here. We're going to have to figure this out. I've got him at eight, and you look at Afridi's numbers, they are um, – you know, I think he's there. He's the third leading wicket-taker for Pakistan in history, just shy of 400 wickets at 393, best of seven for 12, average of 34. Um, I've got him as the second spinning option in the team, so bowling is, is fast leggies. But uh, on the flip side of that, he's also got 8,000 – one day international at runs 20. at twenty three, but more importantly, the strike rate is at one hundred and sixteen, and he's batting at eight. So six hundreds, thirty nine fifties at a strike rate of over or nearly one hundred and twenty in one day. Is keeping in mind he played through the nineties and thousands, so kind of missed his calling. Is that? Uh, yeah. Um, who have you got at eight? Then I thought that I wouldn't have any issues getting Afridi into the team. I've got um, I've got um, was him Akram at eight? Oh, I've got Akram in the team. I've just got him batting lower, batting a little bit lower. Yeah, I don't have a space. I don't have a spot for Afridi. Oh, so you've uh, you've gone three. I've gone quicks. three, three quicks and a spinner. Uh, right. Okay. So well, we'll come back then because I've gone two lead quicks, Imran, and two spinners. So. Well, let's work out the, the spinner then. So who's your... Sir Clay Mushtar. Okay, cool. I've gone Sir Clay as well. So I've, I have a feeling I know where this is going. Um, so Sir Clay Mushtar is uh, an absolute phenomenal player as well. Um, you know, when I started this whole thing, I thought that um, Muralitharan was going to be... When we got to our World eleven, that Muralitharan would just be untouchable as the... Um, the spinner for the World Eleven side there. Now, I, Test cricket, 100% given that to Shane Warne. But in terms of one-day internationals, yeah. his I'm record is far superior yeah. to Warney's. Yeah. You know, Warney gave the game away. But Suck Lane's average um, and strike rate and all that absolutely stacks up. 21.7, taking just shy of 300 one-day international wickets in 169 games. I still think when we get there, we're probably going to tip our hat to Murley because Murley played... Two million games, whatever yeah. it was, but um, yeah, Mushtaq was incredible, incredible numbers. When you're taking you know three hundred wickets at twenty one in a one day game, um, yeah. I just, six I, fifers. I just don't see the need for Shif- for Shahid Afridi in this team. I've I 
Afridi, I think, mostly comes from obviously well, 400 wickets well, the, as a the, spinner. The numbers, if you just go on numbers. It's the, ba- it's the ability to finish an innings off in a hurry, mm. batting at eight with those sort of ones. I have a feeling, if I'm correct, it's going to end up being Afridi versus Akhtar because I'm assuming we've both got Akram <laughs> and I'm assuming we've both got Wakar, yeah? Yes. All right, well, we'll go and give them their spiel. So, uh, obviously, they're phenomenal players. Akram... Uh, two hundred, uh, sorry, uh, five hundred and two, um, one day international wickets. Five for fifteen is his best. Economy of twenty three, um, six fifers, seventeen fourfers, and then um, his running mate Wakar Yunus, four hundred and sixteen wickets at twenty three, thirteen five wicket hauls, just uh, amazing, staggering numbers. numbers. One day international, and you know injuries crueled. What could have been an even better career yeah. for him? Um, okay, so then it comes down, I suppose, to the the, the, the coin flip show of actor. Um, 241 wickets, best of six for 16, uh, 24 is his average, four fivers and yeah. and six fourfers. Mm-hmm. Um, the, fastest absolute spot, the fastest rocket, history. rocket pace. Yeah. We, I just I just look at the team that, that I'm putting out there. I've got Akram at eight. I've got Saclane at nine. I've got Akhtar at... Ten and what and Wakar at eleven. I don't see. A, I don't have a spot for Shahid, Shahid Afridi. I don't know what we're going to do about this because I, I feel that in the, the modern, like the modern one day international and white ball games, having a guy batting that low, that rapid, can be the difference between a, a good score and a huge score. Yeah. And I think we've seen a real big resurgence in. Um, the abilities of leg spin bowling, like you look at guys like um, you know Adil Rashid and and Hasaranga and, Hasaranga yeah. and Rashid Khan yeah. and and Zampa, I think he offers a, a little bit of difference. And when you've got um, Imran and you've got Wazim and Waka, you've got thirty overs of of elite pace. And I can certainly see the argument for Akhtar. You go forty overs of elite pace, but um, you know. Pakistan playing in those sort of dusty conditions. Mm. Um, oh, look, I think on I've, smaller grounds. I, I want I want the air speed that Akhtar brings, as opposed to you, you know you've got plenty of guys in that in that team who can score rapidly. Okay, you've only got one guy in that team who can bowl at a hundred miles an hour. True. No, you know Wakar was. Wasn't short a kilometre or two. No, they were they were they're rapid in their own way, but there's a difference between 145 plus and 155 plus all the time. And to me, with with what we've already got there, I I I don't have a spot for for um, Shahid Afridi. So uh, there's nothing I can can. I, I'm I'm pretty locked on Shahid, and you're pretty locked on on Shahweb. I'm assuming. Sorry, folks. This is going to be a a difficult one because I'm, I suppose I'm locked into that just that that bit of difference, that extra, um, you know, the the dynamics that you bring with the bat, you know. And you, you're loving the 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 rip your face off pace that, and Akhtar obviously is a is a phenomenal bowler. So I'm thinking his record in one day international stacks up 
comparably to anybody who's played one day international. Absolutely. Like, you know, the 200-odd wickets at... Um, 24. At 24. Yeah, that's pretty good. We're going to have to go the old-fashioned coin toss. Yeah, well, Glenn bailed on us. Yeah. Not very rock and roll, Glenn, and you've reduced us to this. So we're going to have to go... All right, well, well, who tosses the coin? Well, you've got the coin in your hand, so yeah. you toss and I'll call. All right, here we go. Tails. Please. Hey, he's in. Afraid he's in. Sorry, Shab. <laughs> oh, look, it, there's absolutely nothing wrong with having that. And could you imagine rocking up to a game against Pakistan where you had Imran, Akhtar, Wak- uh, Akram, and Wakar in that? Yeah, you, yeah. You, it, it could certainly be with a guy like uh, with Mushtaq in that team that. In in a real life circumstance, obviously it's all hypothetical and it's never yeah. going to happen. But it could be when you're playing at the Wacker, you're playing um, four quicks uh, and everywhere else. Afridi comes out, and Akhtar comes in, sort yeah. of thing. Or, um, but yeah, they're just absolutely. It, there's there's going to be a lot of excellent players that miss out on yeah. on this side. So um, I suppose we need to go with a with a twelve. Do we want to just make Akhtar the twelve? Akhtar's the twelve. Actar's the twelfth man. We've cool done it. All right, so we'll run through the lineup again. Uh, so we had the partnership up top of Saeed Anwar and Zaire Abbas. We had Muhammad Yusuf at three, Javed Mandat at four, Inzamal Huck at five, Imran Khan the captain at six, Safra's Ahmed the wicketkeeper at seven. Um, after the the <laughs> the throws of a coin flip, we had Shahida Freedy at eight. Uh, Wazim Akram at 9, Suklain Mushtak at 10, and Waka Yunus at 11, with Shoah Akhtar sitting on the sidelines, breathing fire out of his nostrils nice. um, at 12. And like, that, team, that scares me. That team on its day beats any team ever in, ever in the world. Yeah. On its, Pakistan's one of those wonderful nations that fall in a heap like there's nothing or yeah. just absolutely decimate teams. And like that team has got everything you need. It's got elite spin. It's got dynamic batting all the way down the order. Um, it's got some of the finest fast bowlers ever played. Um, some fantastic batsmen. Um, yeah, that, that's, that team is taking some beating. You put the best of Australia, the best of the West Indies, the best of England, anyone that that team, that team could beat any team. Oh, look, I have no doubt about it. I mean, and when you think about like, the guys who we've left out as well, we've left out some pretty fair players out of this team. And the fact that we got to a stage where we needed to flip a coin to decide one of those places, you know, a guy who's got 400 wickets against a guy who bowls a hundred miles an hour. It's not a bad dilemma to have, is yeah. it? Really, it's, it, it's, it says a lot about the what these players have actually put forth. That um, you know, we, we're pretty like-minded. We yeah. usually, you know, and normally we're, we're, I think we're fairly savvy cricket fans. But um, these guys have put together such an argument each that both of us had settled and went, no, oh, no, we're not budging. This yeah. guy's done enough. And then yeah. when you've got two blokes that you. When you lay out the facts and go, these are the facts, and the other blokes, nah, my, I, I, the argument for my blokes, yeah. good enough. Yeah. It means that those guys have got quite a, yeah, well, quite well, a significant you, cricket resume. You remember when we were talking about when you showed me your team at, at work yesterday, and I looked at it and I smiled, and you thought, oh, hang on, what's he got up his sleeve? <laughs> I, I can tell you now, it was going to be. I didn't have a spot for a Freedy because I wanted to play Saclane as a spinner and have the extra airspeed. But hey, <laughs> gee, what you know, swings and roundabouts, guys. 
Cool. Well, that'll do us for this episode. Thank you so much for uh, for joining us. Hope you hopefully that you were largely on board what we put forward. We'll have the team up uh, shortly for um, uh, our all time elevens. Um, you know, who did we miss? What do we what do we stuff up on? Uh, was there some, Yeah, was I wrong? Was the coin wrong? Should it have been Akhtar? <laughs> um, let us know. Let us know your thoughts on uh, on uh, who made the side. And uh, until next week, enjoy the cricket. And uh, please, everyone out there, keep some fingers crossed for the Irish because I really love for them to get a positive result yes, out of this game. It would be wonderful. It would be wonderful for the game of cricket. Everyone everyone, be sitting there and looking for leprechauns and yeah. all that sort of stuff. Um, and yeah, four-leaf clovers. Drink a Guinness tomorrow for the Irish just to help them home. All right, guys, thanks very much. And until next time, bye for now. Sports Social Podcast Network.